Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. I am away today. Some of the most invigorating calls I've had over the last few weeks. Melissa in Decula calling from Gwinnett County has been so patient. I'm so glad to talk to her now. Good morning. Hey, good morning. First time caller, long time listener. Thank Love your you. show. Uh, so my, my husband and I are putting a new front porch on the house and we've got like this little peninsula island that we want to get rid of and bring our Bermuda grass to cover what we're pulling up. I'm wondering when's the best time to do that. Construction starts on Wednesday and they're telling me it's about a two week turnaround. Um, is it too late in the season or should I start now immediately once once they get done? It is possible to lay sod in the wintertime. It's not ideal, but it is possible Mm -hmm. because it's still, it's going to be dormant, but it still needs irrigation and good watering as well. So it's going to be a little cumbersome to be out there in the cold, cold weather, uh, making sure it gets the water that it needs. It sounds like a small enough area to where that could be manageable for you, but ideal times to do sod or seed is during the summer in the hottest months that we can stand, May, June, July, and even into August with as warm as it stays uh, toward the end of the summer. That's really the best time to do it. So um, for now, you could, if you can get your hands on some sod, Melissa, like I said, it's going to be dormant, but you can still lay it as long as you've done good site prep and good soil preparation to make sure that sod is going to fit comfortably onto the ground, be able to push through those roots and establish those roots. It's going to be a slow process doing it this time of year, but uh, you can. And maybe even making sure to pat it down and weight it down, just pressing it down to make sure it's really in good contact with that surface soil. If not, for the time being, you could throw out some ground cover there. Um, You could do something mm-hmm. that's just going to maybe stay above ground and green for the wintertime, something like a juga or something like that. Uh, Creeping Jenny, I'm not sure that that's going to last through the winter, but something in place to really hold that soil. You want that soil to be covered with something. It could even be mulch or pine straw, just so that it doesn't erode, so that the nutrients don't get washed away uh, from the soil surface. So covering it with something is my recommendation. It could be just about anything, though, that you choose to put there, if you want to wait and do the Bermuda seed or sod come April, May, June. Perfect. Great suggestions. I have a juga ton of it. Okay, so we just had a project completed in the backyard, and silly me, I didn't think through it when he put the fill dirt. It's all clay soil. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting to plant back there, uh, but I'm really nervous. I ran to the local stores to um, try to get some soil mender and stuff like that, and there's none. And I don't even know where to start. I'm a master gardener with the um, Gwinnett County Extension Office, and I feel silly asking these questions, but... 
Um, even we have questions. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes, of course. <laughs> so I'm wondering what, what would be a good suggestion to get that soil, like just loosened up some and uh, kind of get some of that clay out of there. So when they gave you the fill dirt, did they kind of give you the the 411 on the story of the fill dirt? Because I just got some, too, and it's really a nice kind of sandy taupe color, so it's ready for planting. Um, But you can tell it's just flat-out clay that they gave you? Yeah, it's Uh, it's like orange. (laughs) Oh, shoot. And you're not having any luck finding any kind of soil amender? Uh, Yeah, I don't even know where to start. I, I did buy some, I don't remember the name of it, but I guess it promotes earthworm growth. I, I, I tilled it up. I put mm-hmm. some of that in there. I just went and got a bunch of potting soil and start, but this area is very large. Yeah, so right. This That's... was only on one side. I kind of started that. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know. I put, I did plant three native azaleas thinking oh. hopefully they were accustomed to clay soil. Yeah. This is my first time really ever dealing with amending soil and stuff like that. Yeah. No, that was um, smart to think of something, you know, acidic loving like azaleas. Um, but yeah. you've got so much more space to go. Let me get back to you on that because obviously, ideally, we'd want to get a soil test, but you kind of know what it's going to reveal. Yeah. But just the benefit of that soil test is it telling you on page two exactly what needs to be added. And I, I okay, I I'm at the extension. I'm at the extension office all the time. I could just bring some in, but I don't know uh, really where to start. Yeah, just because I don't want to start throwing out, you know, maybe put some lime, put some compost, put some without yeah. really knowing um, what it's lacking. I totally didn't even like think to ask him to get like a little bit more. Ex- and when you're doing projects, you 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 think you know cheap. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Quick and easy. Let's get this done. And um, I totally face that part yeah, of the no, whole I'm with you. Um, I am going to have you, I'm going to put you back on hold to talk to Anne because I want your email address. I want to do a little bit more research on what you could be doing okay. right now because whatever you're going to amend right now is going to be perfect and lush and all settled in and stuff, you know, for spring planting. Um, not that you couldn't plant now, but yeah, depending on what you want to plant, we want to get that soil right. But my, my takeaway, Melissa, because I am dealing with the exact same thing with some a hardscaping we had done as well is covering that soil. Um, and even when you were talking about the other part of the yard uh, where you might put a juga or some kind of ground cover where Bermuda will go eventually, I think the fact that you and I landed on a juga is good. You've got it already in the yard. It spreads pretty quickly. And when you have a straight bladed shovel, just being able to dig that up almost like a piece of carpet um, and get the roots and then just literally move it and lay it in the next spot. You're, it's going to be easy to remove when you are ready to do Bermuda if we wait to do that in the summertime when it's going to have the best chance of you know germinating really quickly if you do it from seed and all that. Not to say it can be done now, um, but yeah, covering the soil with something, be it mulch, leaves, pine straw, something like that so we're not losing a lot of the good nutrients from that soil. Thank you for the call, Melissa. I will get back with you on what to do with that uh, fill dirt that's nothing but Georgia red clay. Oh, I know that's tricky. Mark and McDonough maybe had some thoughts on how to make that soil a little bit uh, more conducive to planting. Hey, Mark, thanks for weighing in. How are you doing this morning? Good. So what do you think? Well, uh, we enjoy it. My wife and I listen every week and we enjoy the show. But Thank you. If, if the caller or anybody else will go to a, a lawn and garden landscape supplies place. They're all over town that sell stuff by the scoop. Uh-huh. They also usually will have a single axle dump truck. If you don't, and they'll bring it to your house. To get river sand, they'll have it in a pile. It'll be tan. It's not mason sand. It's bleached white. It's 
tan. It mixes with, and when you mix it with clay, it permanently gives it a separation to let water and nutrients come and go. Yeah. So if you have a if you have a pile of red clay, it's just you know what it is. <laughs> and then when when you mix sand in, that little gritty sand mix in separates the clay, and then whatever else you do to it. So I, I'll I'll put a couple of dump trucks on a garden to start with. Yeah. So when you're making a brand new garden, you just get in there and it and it, it gets it where it'll drain and it won't be all uh, mushy and everything. It's the cheapest thing you can get a hold of, really, and it's very effective. Because, yeah, we've got compaction, the, the chance of compaction with that Georgia red clay and not getting enough air in the soil and all that. Thank you, Mark. All Y'all right. have a good day. You too. I, and tell your wife we said hello, too. All right. And over time, too, not that, you know, our soils don't already come with some nutritious value for sure, but um, over time, really amending that soil the best you can with compost and any kind of amendments and things that are just going to make it that much more rich and that much more uh, nutrient nutrient packed, so to speak, uh, good for planting. I had Melissa call just a little bit ago with that fill dirt that was nothing but Georgia red clay. And uh, Clint Waltz, my turf grass expert and friend from the University of Georgia and calling from Griffin this morning, wanted to weigh in as well. Clint, hey, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? Really good. So good to hear from you. You know, I was in that quandary with, oh my goodness, what to tell her to add with this fill dirt that's just straight up Georgia red clay. We've gotten some some mixed reviews from folks on and off the air, but uh, I, I think you're the final authority on this. What do you think? Yeah, well, it, that, <laughs> I, the soil's background certainly winds up helping. The soil science background yeah. helps. And, and, and I've done some research on this, actually trying to, to do that. And you hit on it there towards the end is the best thing is, is add organic matter. So some kind of a compost out there um, is, is really the best thing back to add to any of our soils in Georgia, whether it's the sandy soils, say, below the, the fall line or our more clay soils um, north of the fall line. So organic matter and getting that worked into the upper three to four inches um, is, is really the better way to go on it. Um, Sand uh, can be fine for some leveling purposes, but actually mixing that into red Georgia clay goes the wrong direction. Um, the three components that make up soil are sand, silt, and clay. And the more sand you add to a clay content soil, um, the amount you have to add to really truly change that soil texture is generally cost prohibitive. And you add sand to clay and let it dry out, it turns into a brick. That's how you, literally, that's how you make brick. Oh, no. So the last thing we want to do is add much sand back to our, our, our clay itself. Organic matter is the better way to go. Uh, Melissa said that she was having trouble finding, like, soil amendments as they are labeled in the store. But really, what are we going out looking for? I mean, what's that bag say? What does it have in it? There's a number of products, the compost materials. We've done research with things like uh, the Soil 3 material yeah. um, from, from Superside. That's worked very well. I'm drawing a blank on the new name now, but the old Foothills material, um, oh, shoot. Um, now, we've done some research with it where we've actually incorporated as well as uh, top-dressed over the top uh, in, in turf. And with it, we've actually seen some... You wouldn't call it a fungicide, but fungistatic type of properties where it's kept Ooh. dollar spot at bay because of some of that. So both of those are organic and compost products. The um, the old foothills, like I said, it's changed names and changed owners. Clint, I thought of it. I thought of it. Georgia Soil Company. It's a landscape compost. So it's okay. taking the landscape waste and ground that up and composted it. And it's kind of a recycling, reusing type of thing. And then likewise with the Soil 3, it's, it's kind of a compost off of some sod production. 
and uh, some other sources. So both of those we've done research with and seen some very favorable things with in okay. our soils. And careful with the sand, like you said, is it is it more detrimental to use? You're using a, a small amounts more detrimental, or the larger amount added to red clay is detrimental. I would say the small to medium amount is more detrimental. Okay. Um, you would have to add, like I said, an awful lot of sand to truly change that, sa- that soil texture for our native soils around here. Again, the amount that you would have to add to that is generally cost prohibitive. Wow, Clint. Hey, thank you so much. And I know you listen to the show and I always, always appreciate you weighing in and your support and your knowledge. You're welcome. Have a good weekend. You too. Coming right back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend, you're listening to WSB. Green Green and Growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, actually four. Four today. Number one, maintaining the moisture in your containerized vegetables. Really important this time of year versus those in the ground or in the raised beds. Containerized are going to dry out a lot more quickly. Knowing which ones are heavy feeders too, making sure you're staying on a fertilization regimen. Uh, Heavy feeders are like cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, and cauliflower. Number two, the National Audubon Society boasts a great list of important foods birds need as the weather gets colder. Some to keep on hand are suet, black oil sunflower seeds, bluebirds are loving mealworms right now, and peanuts. You can check out the whole list on my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. And number three, keeping leaves out of the base of your flowering shrubs, hydrangeas, perennials. You can see a video of this on my Facebook page. The buildup of leaves and the moisture at the plant's crown can just lead to rot and disease. And always remember to use gloves when removing leaf debris. And along with number four as a bonus is Christy Bryant, who you'll hear from next. Keep your leaves. Quit bagging them up and sending them away. It is the absolutely most correct fertilizer that you can ever apply to your trees. It's a layer of insulation against your plant roots from freezing out. It's a great insulation layer to keep the moisture there in the summertime when it's hot. Um, Remember, trees are the coolers of the earth, so we need to conserve their moisture as much as possible. Leaves do all of this. We need to imitate the forest wherever possible. Now, the forest leaves get mulched up because the critters are running through and they're breaking up the leaves. Then maybe not be happening in your backyard. So you can just simply blow the leaves out from under your tree, run it over with a lawnmower and toss them back in the beds. Also, use leaves to cover bare dirt. Bare dirt erodes and compacts. And compaction is the least favorite thing in the world for a tree. So if we have a nice leaf layer, we don't have erosion, therefore we don't have compaction, therefore we have happy happy trees. Hippie trees. Hippie or happy, whatever you want to call it. Whatever you call it. We got you, Christy. So I'm glad we heard from Clint Waltz just a little bit ago. There's Christy Bryant, owner of Speaking for the Trees. We'll be talking about tree preservation up next. This is kicking off my three-week outdoor expert series, which I'm so pleased to bring you. Lots of experts in their fields included in this over the next few weeks. Some pruning tips, uh, a Rolling Stone, a world-famous musician with info about pines and some of their greatest enemies. Be talking about holiday plants, information for golf course superintendents around the state, and information for all of you about properly planting trees. And Christy Bryant is within that outdoor expert series, and she's involved with the Georgia Arborist Association. And good morning to all of you, Executive Director Brittany, out at the Tree Unite Us conference right now and the tree climbing competition in Winterville. Do you want to see people race up trees and perform aerial rescues and maybe even get a chance to climb yourself? 
today. Join the Arborist Association for a free day of fun out in Winterville near Athens. Family fun, raffles, games, the Marigold Market as well this morning until 2 o'clock this afternoon actually. Hot food there, produce, baked goods and crafts, and an after party uh, tonight with a live DJ. I hate to miss all of that, but more information at georgiaarborist.org. So right after the news, my conversation about tree preservation and what tree ordinances mean with Christy coming up on Green and Growing. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. You know you're listening to Green and Growing right here on 95.5 WSB. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, and this is a voice, and this is a name you've heard on the show before. She's been with me almost since day one. Christy Bryant, I was so lucky to friend you early on in the show and you have opened doors for me you've introduced me to really cool people and i love having you on the show yay no i love you you're you're so much fun and Your you are too so much fun like you introduced me to some of the georgia arborist folks and i've been along for some of your events you introduced me to the marietta tree keepers like you are well connected girl i love what i do so it's all easy the tree industry is seriously the tightest most well connected community ever i mean it's just you walk into a tree event and you feel love mm-hmm I agree. And you were recent president of the Georgia Arborist Association, and you used to work with Gunnison, and now you have gone off on your own. You've been the owner now of Speaking for the Trees for a couple of years. Uh, three years now. Three years. So what made you go from tree removal company to now you are literally saving trees? So just that, um, saving trees. While taking apart and dismantling a, a tree with cranes and chainsaws and, and all of the nuts <laughs> and bolts of the man glitter and all the sawdust flying around, that was so cool, and I loved all of it. And sometimes I really miss that. But at the end of the day, I'm an Atlanta girl. I love my city. I love that we're the city in the forest. But by God, somebody had to get passionate about saving some trees. And so that's why I did it. I just, I just felt like there was something more that I could do in order to keep trees around instead of just being the one that bids them taking them down. Right. And and that's why I have you on the show today because of a conversation on the phone you and I had about a month ago. And you literally just started telling me about your day. And I'm like, whoa, wait. Hold on, you're on to something here. I was recently talking to the Garden Club down in Peachtree City and kind of went through, you know, why this is a good time of year to plant trees and establish them in your landscape. And a couple of things from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, it's proposed that one large tree can produce enough supply of oxygen for up to four people in a day. And they help absorb more than 48 pounds of carbon dioxide, which we obviously shouldn't breathe in. I mean, the list is forever long, Christy, about the benefits of trees. We're going to get into the work that you do um, as owner of Speaking for the Trees. But it's important that you understand and kind of explain to folks why tree ordinances are in place from local governments, city municipalities and all of that. Tree ordinances are a hot-button subject. Um, it kind of, unfortunately, runs the political side. Um, but it's right in the middle because it is saying, hey, homeowner, hey, property owner, your tree is not yours. Your tree is ours. Um, so it very much comes from a background of tree is a community asset. 
but then a lot of people are upset because, oh, so the community gets to enjoy my tree, but I get to pay $10,000 to remove it wow. or, you know, that kind of thing. So that becomes the problem. So is is the tree that is in your front yard yours or is it the community's? And um, I would say that it's pretty evident across the country in urban areas all over from California to Georgia, there are tree ordinances protecting specifically mature trees. Well, think about it. I mean, you just moved out of literally downtown Marietta and all of these cities have now these very lively, productive economic growth opportunity kind of downtown areas. And I think people like the feel of, A, a little bit of the history behind those, whether those cities are 100 years old, 200 years old, but also maintaining some of the heritage and things. And landscape goes along with that just as well as buildings. Yeah. I mean, if you don't believe in the power of a tree, go and look at some of the names. My, you know, look at the names of neighborhoods. We, my boyfriend and I always make fun because we're like, oh, look, look at the oaks. They're none. Um, they took them all out <laughs> right? Um, and named it the oaks, you know, but um If you look at logos, how many logos are trees? How many logos are oaks? So we all know and we all love and we all respect trees. But then when we're actually the one having to deal with it, it gets a little like, wait, that's not fair. You're going to tell me I can't remove a tree from my property? Yeah, because it's not just your tree. And if you don't believe me, have your neighbor clear cut their yard and then talk to me about your electricity bill the next summer. Oh, right. Or the stormwater runoff. All of a sudden, your backyard is flooding, and it wasn't flooding before. you got to choose either either it is a community asset or it is your asset. Cities that are mindful of this, Christy, like the Arbor Day Foundation does that Tree City USA where they recognize green communities and all mm-hmm. of that. I think a lot of the cities around Metro Atlanta are proud to have that association. I think so. Um, the Georgia Tree Council does a great job with the Tree City USA, and um, it, it does mean something. to. If you don't know about the program, look into it. If your city's not, they should be one. But that is one of the one of the requirements for being a tree city is that the municipality have some kind of a tree ordinance on the books. So you as a business owner, you understand a lot of the ordinances in the different cities and the different counties that you do work for across Metro Atlanta. And correct me if I'm wrong, here we're getting into what you do. Uh, you kind of could serve as a liaison, the relationships that you've got between those municipalities and say builders or homeowners. You are the tree expert that comes in and what do you do? Let's give the example of, you know, a new builder grading for a townhome community or building two McMansions or something like that. Where do you come in? So say that we are going to, I really desperately am a homeowner and I want to build a house in Brookhaven. And I've bought this lot and it has an old rundown house on it. Uh, the number one first thing I have to do is I need to be on that property and I need to look at those trees and I need to see who's good and who's bad. We need to know what's an invasive, what trees are invasive species and what's a beautiful oak. We need to know what we have before we start the process. So once we know what we have, then we can kind of help with getting the permits to remove the bad trees, if you were, so that we can look at the site as a whole unit and say, okay, so if we've got three bad trees on the left side, why don't we scoot the house kind of over to that side of the property so that we can conserve that big, beautiful, amazing white oak over there on the right side of the house? And then it starts into looking and seeing, um, well, honestly, what the density is, because most municipalities have a required minimum density. And so, so many trees per square foot. How many trees? So a canopy can have a point value, um, or it can be inches based on diameter of trees. So, for example, if uh, Brookhaven's 120 minimum inches per acre, 
if you have two 60-inch trees, there you go. then you've already made up your density and you're not going to have to replace a bunch of trees. But what if they're bad trees? If you don't have an arborist involved from the very beginning, you could be working around a bad tree and not know it until you've already removed a really good one. See, and I've always had a curiosity about this, Christy, because my dad is in multifamily construction and has been for decades as a construction superintendent. And as a kid, I was concerned about all the land they'd have to clear to build apartment complexes. And I mean, he never gave me the exact details and he's worked in different states, but kind of telling me, yeah, you know, for every tree we remove, eventually they're going to have to plant X number to make up for that. But it even goes deeper, like you said. I mean, you doing a tree inventory is what y'all call it on a property or something like that, you are measuring the caliper of the trees, looking at the canopy, looking at the age. All of that goes into a factor to satisfy those ordinances, right? Right. Correct. And get this, even big, huge commercial sites, we go out and we count the specimen trees because that money, the developer pays that money directly into a tree bank into that municipality's tree bank to deal with tree conservation and that kind of thing. So, for example, there was an Amazon warehouse um, in a metro Atlanta county that ended up paying a million dollars to that tree bank in that county because they removed that many trees. Now, you ask yourself, why? Well, if you're going to remove 80 acres of trees from my county, guess what my county now has to deal with? There's going to be stormwater mitigation. There's going to be greenhouse gases. There's going to be um, the EPA is going to come and they're going to test my air. And all of a sudden that stuff, that air near there is not going to be cleansed anymore. So it does cost the municipality money when we remove trees. This is just a hypothetical. Would a large company like that get some kind of rebate for the new trees that they plant on the side or it's not going to really do, work They do, but well. I mean, it doesn't, you can't take a two inch tree and pretend that it replaces a 30 inch sure. period end of subject. Yeah. And all of the tree research is showing that a mature tree canopy is where our health is. It's where our happiness is. That's where carbon sequestering happens. It is not in the two inch trees. And I love that we're replacing our canopy, but we have got to do more to conserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get those historic trees back. Yes. Old magnolias and, and old oaks. And one of my oaks. very good friend, Arborist, who I adore and, and respect, is like, no, we need to be writing soil ordinances. Because if we conserve the soil, then the tree isn't even a subject. We, you know, and that's a good thought. I mean, yeah. trees live in the soil. How do you then get involved with a builder? Who hires you? How do you come on the scene before any land is ever touched? Uh, well, my business has become word of mouth. Okay. Um, when I was with Gunnison, I started the plant healthcare division inside of Gunnison Tree. I was able to do that because we had so many builders that we did tree removals for. I was like, hey, why are we tapping into this? So I, then I said, hey, let me start writing your prescriptions. What is a tree prescription? I actually write tree prescriptions. That's cool. <laughs> um, so basically, I go out and I look at the, the size, species, and condition of the tree, and I decide what needs to happen to make this tree survive construction. Um, 90% of people do not understand that the most important part of the tree is the roots and that in our clay soils, the roots are only in the top six to eight inches of soil. Mm -hmm. So if you go and drive your bobcat across my roots, we're going to destroy that tree. And people don't understand that. Christy Bryant, owner of Speaking for the Trees, and we're talking about really interesting tree ordinances in the cities, how you get involved with tree removal, tree prescriptions, and all of that kind of thing. Christy's going to come right back with us with some thoughts uh, for homeowners, a message for homeowners, and why you should be made to care about this right here. Stay tuned. You're listening to 95.5 WSP.
talking with my friend Christy Bryant. I've been wanting to have you back for a long, long time. You've done work on the show previously. And when you were telling me about your day-to-day of your job on the phone like a month ago, I was just so intrigued. I thought this has to go on the show so that people understand. You just said the whole state is under construction. There is not one county or one highway you can drive on right now that something is not being built Great economically, not so good for our woodland creatures, not so good for our native insect populations. As a homeowner, whether it's going to be at my front door or not, why should I care? It affects us for bunches of ways. If you don't believe that a mature tree canopy is directly related to human health, it's a couple of Google steps and you can read research after research. Harvard, Princeton, um, University of Oregon did a 25-year study showing that People that lived in a mature tree canopied neighborhood were 5% healthier, had 5% better grades, and had made 5% better money than people in the exact same demographic neighborhood with small young trees, period. So tree ordinances are absolutely important. Tree ordinances also, interestingly, are very important in protecting you from your neighbor's construction. Oh. So say that you live in Cherokee County. And unless you're building a multifamily or over one acre, you don't have to be involved with an arborist at all. So say that you're going to build a house, your next door neighbor's building a brand new house on a half acre lot. And right before your grandfather died, he planted this amazing tree in the back. And it's this magnolia. And everybody loves this magnolia. And it makes us think of granddad every time. And your neighbor wants to put a pool back there. And their construction impacts your magnolia and it kills it oh no it takes two years two to three years for a tree to die of construction depending on the size of the tree i mean we're talking christy not the tree itself but say the roots were disturbed 12 feet away from that magnolia that is a slow process correct over two years before i would tell there's any damage and then it is never the tree doesn't just die it's something comes in and takes it out it's attacked by beetles so people are like the beetles killed my tree i'm like your beetles wouldn't have been near your tree if somebody had paid attention during the construction process trees send stress trees send pheromones into the environment that call in the insects that kill them off it works it works perfect in a forest doesn't work so well in our urban backyards You know, just if you're going to do construction, if your neighbor's going to do construction, if you're concerned about the loss of our tree canopy, please get on the phone and talk to your city council, your your county people. You know, it it, you can have control over how strict an ordinance is. You know, we've talked about today how they run they run the gamut. I mean, one tree ordinance looks completely different from Hateville to East Point to Atlanta, and the cities are basically all connected. Yeah. But the tree ordinances are very different. So don't all get scared of having a tree ordinance. Remember that they can be written in a way that protects you. So get involved in your local government. Get involved in tree ordinances. Get involved in the tree industry. Christy, well, speaking of the tree industry, you make it very proud here in Georgia. How can folks reach out and find you? My website, speakingfortrees.com. You can find me on Facebook or you can just give me a call at 770-823-5374. And let's take a look at your trees. I love to get people excited about trees. One of my favorite things is meeting you and your dog in your front yard, teaching you about trees, teaching you what kind of trees you have, teaching you proper tree care, and leaving knowing that you're going to be so excited that you're going to go tell your neighbors too. Christy, I commend you for the work you do. Thank you for coming in and being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.